0: Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning and today my guest is Michael Frederick, an Alexander Technique teacher in Los Angeles. Uh, Michael trained as an Alexander teacher with Walter Carrington and also with uh, Marjorie Barstow, who were both master teachers trained by uh, F. Matthias Alexander, the developer of the Alexander Technique. He also trained with Moshe Feldenkrais uh, and is a uh, certified, I guess that's the term, certified Feldenkrais practitioner. And what we're going to do in this uh, conversation is talk a a bit about um, the similarities and differences between these two movements, uh, two um, movement methods, I guess we could say. Uh, Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you. I appreciate being here. Could you start by giving our listeners a a very, very short description of the Alexander Technique and of the Feldenkrais Method?
1: Well, first of all, I would talk about the phrase psychophysical re-education. I would say both systems are a system of learning based on this principle of psychophysical re-education, mind-body learning. The Alexander Technique Uh, is an older discipline. It started in the late 1800s. It was born out of the performing arts with an actor who lost his voice and wanted to solve his problem vocally. The Feldenkrais work started, I would say, in the late 40s, early 50s, when uh, Feldenkrais had hurt his knee, if I'm not mistaken, doing judo, and... uh, was given the option of having a knee operation and with not very good odds of having a proper knee functioning after that so he declined the operation and decided to study uh, his own movement patterns to see if he could help himself as far as uh, the discomfort in the knee
0: okay so they come out of different origins correct and insofar as would you say they both have as a underlying aim to improve the quality of our physical movements
1: how we do things in life yes i would say that i i i'm laughing a little bit because they come at it from different points and you know but i'll accept that okay and uh well what
0: well, and what are the different points they come at
1: at it? Well, from? the Alexander technique for me is a process of elimination or subtraction of of habit patterns in the way we think, feel, and move, so that what is left over through this process of negation is the Alex is is good functioning. In the Feldenkrais work, it is much more in the world of subtle doing, uh, where the Feldenkrais practitioner. Guides the uh, person that he or she is working with through either verbally through a sense of of movement patternings, loosely based on what is called developmental movement, which is what you and I went through to learn to walk. Uh, Feldenkrais, being a keen observer, broke uh, this uh, whole patterning down into very subtle movements. So the Feldenkrais practitioner can lead this the student through these um, what are called awareness through movement exercises where they discover then about their patterns and habits of misuse and learn how to to become more balanced they also have a one on one work called functional integration which is a table work that's hands on the Alexander technique is a bit different it exists more in the world of undoing or non-doing and, and and would you say
0: for the alexander technique an underlying assumption is that if you can identify and let go of what had been unconscious harmful uh, patterns of posture and movement then things
1: will as it were take care of themselves mm-hmm. Is, 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 would you agree with that? I would agree with that. But the funny thing, if, if, if I put on my Feldenkrais hat or, or talk to a Feldenkrais practitioner friend, mm-hmm. they would probably say the same thing. Mm-hmm. You see, so what you're really coming down to is something very subtle. I, I'm trying to, it's very elusive. I'm trying to explain it in in the simplest way possible. In the Alexander work, what I'm doing is taking my conscious attention, observing my pattern, and through the ability to stop in front of that wish that I might have to change things, I, I, I stop in front of that to allow something new to come in. And that awareness changes my movement pattern. I become a little bit more flexible and easy in the way I move. The whole head-neck-back relationship becomes more balanced through a letting go of the interfering pattern. In the Feldenkrais work, there's more of a subtle doing. It's more therapeutic in the sense of the practitioner going in there and either verbally or hands-on in a subtle manipulative way um, uh, repatterning the person. Mm-hmm. so in the Feldenkrais work it is possible especially in the functional integration table work side of things to be more passive if you're the recipient
0: mm-hmm.
1: in the Alexander technique it is more mindfulness in the Buddhist terms so the passivity doesn't in, enter into it you, you, the, the Alexander technique excuse me, is always on the cutting edge of in the present moment what is it I don't need to do Mm-hmm. So I instead to, of how can I fix this problem? Yeah, I mean, which again, is the I'm,
0: usual way
1: of it is the usual problem. way, and again, I'm I'm I don't want to complicate this, but in the Feldenkrais work, you know, they might say I'm not trying to fix the problem either, uh, but what you do get is is a, 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 this what I call delicate manipulation in the Feldenkrais work, so that the the um, intention of the Feldenkrais practitioner and the intention intention of the uh, student is in some way to figure out the right thing to do Mm -hmm. by observing through these uh, uh, awareness through movement, for instance, um, exercises. In the Alexander Technique, it's right at this moment You're sitting there. The person who's listening to this is sitting listening. What do you notice about yourself? What is it in that moment that we're sitting here now that I can learn where I'm over-efforting, where old patterns are coming in, and how do I allow myself to free up, basically come back to better posture and length, by letting go, not by being um, smart about what to do. It's being smart about what not to do. Hmm.
0: Now, uh, so I mean, uh, f-
1: hearing you de-
0: describe these the differences, it, they do sound pretty subtle, and I wonder for someone who uh, is con- is perhaps contemplating um, doing one or the other, uh, is there what would be some criteria that some was, let's say that you're in a situation where there are Alexander teachers around, there are Feldenkrais practitioners, um, what what would be um, a reason for selecting one over the other given your situation? You know,
1: how, how would you go about making that choice? First of all, I would go visit the Feldenkrais practitioners in my area and, and see if there's someone that I absolutely connect up with. Mm-hmm. That has a similar spirit to mine, and that I feel like I could learn from. But I would do the same with the Alexander teachers, Mm -hmm. so that we that so that you actually connect up with a teacher that you feel is not judgmental, that the door is open for learning, and that there is least amount of expectation Mm -hmm. involved. And and you may
0: find yourself relying on on friends' suggestions and that. Exactly, all that. Yeah.
1: Now. I think a combination of both is really beneficial. I found that doing awareness through movement was so much fun. You know, you, a lot of times these exercises or non-exercises, I call them, are done on the floor mm-hmm. and you're exploring uh, non-habitual movement patterns and, and you know, and, and discovering how we over-effort and so on and so on and learning how to subtract all that. and what the Feldenkrais Awareness for Movement would do for me is uh, place me in non-habitual patternings. If I only sit, stand, and walk, which is pretty, or lie down, which is pretty much everyone's pattern in the Western world, I don't maybe do enough lateral movements or, or spiral movements. And uh, a good Feldenkrais class gets, to me, gets me to explore all these, these patternings that aren't the usual in my everyday life. The Alexander Technique can take our everyday movement patterns and then refine those. But then you can also take that awareness into the into the uh, unusual patterning of developmental movement. Am I making myself mm-hmm. clear yeah. on there?
0: Now, I, I mean, Alexander teachers will often say that what they're showing people how to do is do whatever they're doing uh, more easily. Mm -hmm. And certainly something that someone might be doing is Feldenkrais uh, movements. (laughs) So the the value for someone taking Feldenkrais classes of maybe having some Alexander is pretty clear. How does it work the other way? What would be the advantage for an Alexander student to take? Uh, some Feldenkrais
1: classes. Well, it's partly what I already mentioned because if in my Alexander lesson, if the teacher is simply focusing on my ability to sit and stand with less effort and walk and mm-hmm. pick things up, in a Feldenkrais work, I'm rolling around, uh, experimenting with spiral movements and, and uh, I mean, it's simple things. You know, if I touch the right side of my face, I'm going to bring my right hand up Mm -hmm. If a teacher asks me to do that five or six times in a row, maybe after, say, the sixth time, I may bring my left hand up to touch the right side of my face. So I'm exploring things that I usually wouldn't do in the ordinary Mm -hmm. uh, daily activity. Mm -hmm. And maybe if I'm really exploring in the Feldenkrais work, I might actually bring my left hand around the back of my head to touch the right side of my face. Something that is so unusual, unless you're used to thinking that way, you probably won't do. So if the Alexander
0: Technique is really good at helping people do whatever they do better, Feldenkrais, perhaps uh, from what you say, suggests some other things to do that you might not have thought of. Exactly. And and so you could be really good as an Alexander student at your habitual um, activities, Mm -hmm. but maybe it would be useful to explore some variants on those activities. Exactly correct. That's how I would look at it. Okay, so they both have their – they certainly both have their uses. Now, um, one – in terms of someone listening to this, if they had to choose one or the other mm-hmm. to start, um, from my own experience and from what I've seen with students of mine and people I know, is that uh, Feldenkrais maybe has some advantages for at the beginning for people who are not for one reason or another, not all that able to mobilize their thinking process to help themselves this is at correct. the beginning and okay. and in that category, uh I would put people who are in or sometimes people who are in a great deal of pain mm-hmm. and simply cannot uh, direct let's say in a, as Alexander teachers like to say, they just don't have that ability at that point. Or sometimes people with some brain injuries or um, uh, small children with developmental issues, that kind of thing. Would would those be categories that you might see, hey, maybe your best bet is to check out the Feldenkrais method first?
1: I would agree with that. Uh, And any other categories you can think of? Well, let me just talk a little bit about the ones you talked about. I mean, sometimes I say that the Feldenkrais work is absolutely brilliant, state-of-the-art physical therapy. Mm-hmm. Okay, it is that's good. Yeah. light years ahead of what physical therapists think they're doing, mm-hmm. you see. The right. Feldenkrais people are actually doing it. I remember on the training course, there was a gentleman from Israel who visited, who was a student of, of Moshe Feldenkrais, and he, was, he uh, had been a, a musician in a symphony orchestra, I think, in Tel Aviv. And he was wounded in, a, in an ambush. Uh, and Feldenkrais actually rewired him, put him back together so that he could, I, I believe he was a violinist, I'm not 100% sure, but, but he actually repatterned his whole system as it healed so that he actually was able to go back and, and uh, play the violin and, and go back into the orchestra. That isn't quite the world that the Alexander Technique exists in. You know, it's not there to uh, take care of those severe injuries that occur in a car crash uh, and, and, a, and, and a, some type of uh, sports accident or something. The Feldenkrais work is really good in that area. Mm-hmm. The Alexander Technique is more dealing with the inner work of... Watching the program of me, you mm-hmm. see, and watching how my thinking works, and my feeling, and my movement patterns, how they all work together, and watching the subtlety of of that. Uh, an example would be in in the Alexander world. We talked about, um, you know, not re- not recreating a feeling. What we're re- recreating is a delicate movement. It doesn't mean in the Alexander technique we don't want you to feel good. In fact, in both disciplines, the Feldenkrais work and the Alexander work, you know, everyone wants to feel better and be healthy. Mm -hmm. But in the Alexander technique, we don't try to recreate the feeling. What we're becoming aware of is that the feeling is based on old habit patterns. It's already past tense. What we're doing in the Alexander Technique is being very mindful in the moment, observing what we don't need to do in our movement patterning, specifically as far as our head, neck, and back is concerned, and learning how to prevent or subtract the the habit patterns that cause interference so that what is left over is good balance, good poise, good posture, and good use of oneself. Mm -hmm. In the Feldenkrais work, I found that people tended to get caught up in the feeling thing of trying to feel out the differences between the right side and the left side of the body or lack of functioning in, you know, rotation of one side of the shoulder as opposed to the other shoulder or a hip or wh- however mm-hmm. it might work. Uh, yeah, so- and so, so for example,
0: if, if you... Um, are someone who sits at a desk a lot Mm -hmm. and does a lot of computer work and you're starting to notice some discomfort in your back or neck or shoulders or arms or wrists, fingers, whatever. And it seems pretty clear to you that there's stuff you're doing unconsciously in this activity that's beginning to take its toll. Mm -hmm. And you're someone who is... uh, Genuinely willing to explore yourself without a lot of preconceptions, you're willing to experiment, do little mental experiments. It would seem like the Alexander technique would be absolutely ideal for you. This is correct. Just to take a, a, a kind of a classic example, and that it, that what I just described or variants of that is certainly the kind of thing that often brings people to an alexander teacher but as you say if you've been in a serious car accident and everything is kinda of messed up in your life and there's a high level of shock and whatever uh-huh. uh, something like the, the, the as you say uh, typically people in that situation are are um, advised to have physical therapy and uh, I, I would totally agree to you, with you that while physical therapy may be useful uh, depending on who's practicing it uh, a good Feldenkrais teacher is going to be far far better for you probably than a physical therapist
1: I would agree with exactly what you're saying Uh...
0: but having having sort of laid out the extremes you know, why you might start with one or the other. Uh, In my own experience, I mean, I'm primarily an Alexander person, but I have, over the years, had quite a few Feldenkrais sessions, and um, I've benefited enormously from Uh them. I think they are, uh, along with a number of other modalities, which we won't bother getting into here, but they can be very, very complementary to the Alexander work, and i would assume that anyone who has started out doing some feldenkrais and wants wants to explore perhaps in a a different direction maybe of um yeah a, add something to it i would think the alexander technique it, it would be an excellent uh
1: uh thing to explore as well this is uh, this is right i mean the thing is when it really comes down to it, there are many things that we can learn from. And it's very easy to get into a mindset that this is better and that's better, or this is, mm-hmm. you know, comparative type of thinking. The truth is, there's really benefit, not only in the Alexander Technique and the Feldenkrais work, but many other things. Great yoga teachers. sacral uh, work. Absolutely. A, a lot. favorite of mine. Like, yeah, yeah. All this. Yeah. So, so the thing to do is is don't create conflict in yourself I'm not talking about you Robert but I'm saying in general we should see what works for us be willing to explore different disciplines Uh, you know as I keep saying check out the practitioner or teacher someone may be more to your liking than another person but a lot of times you know it comes down simply to our willingness to have a sense of not knowing and exploring Mm-hmm. And if we're experimenting and exploring in the Feldenkrais work and the Alexander technique and cranial sacral uh, work or yoga, you know, great, it worked. That's the way to go.
0: Yeah, certainly, uh, Alexand- the Alexander technique and Feldenkrais method are exploratory methods i don't think that either one of them would say here is the way to do things they're it's, they're both more
1: well let's try this see how it works i would say in their pure form that's true in their of pure course. form right of course you get practitioners of both uh disciplines who say that they've got god's gift to everything and mm-hmm. that's obviously very limited right uh, right but <laughs> yeah uh, i mean uh, both
0: I guess Feldenkrais practitioners don't use the term teacher that much no, but no they use practitioner Practitioner. Yeah. alexander teachers are are generally pretty picky about that term we are we are teachers, and like any kind of teacher uh there's the good, the bad, and the ugly and, exactly um uh i I think for the i i don't know as much about the feldenkrais world but in the Alexander world, I think most teachers are competent, and some are, are are excellent, and I would guess it's the same thing in Feldenkrais. But you, you need to be, as a, a student, you need to be doing a little evaluation. A lot of what you may learn at the beginning could be a little confusing to you, but there are some basic uh, ways of just checking to make sure that what... you. What's going on is, in fact, helpful to you. so, mm-hmm. And I think that's true of, of both those methods. Uh, yes, I,
1: I would agree with what you just said. Is there anything you want to add that we haven't covered? There's a good book to read. It's called Zen and the Art of Archery by mm-hmm. Eugene, Eugene Harrigal. Yes, classic. And a lot of times I use that book as a definition about the differences between Alexander Technique and the Feldenkrais work. Uh-huh. In there, you have this German, uh, Eugene Haragel, uh, I believe is a professor in university, who pre-World War II went to Japan to study Zen archery. And he took his very Western mind with him. And, you know, he's trying to figure out about shooting the bow and arrow. He has this, this Zen monk who's his teacher. And he's getting quite frustrated because it's not working. So he decides to take a holiday which is always a good thing to do if you get frustrated. But what he does, which is very Western, he decides to take his bow and arrow along to practice, uh, uh, you know, shooting at the target while he's uh, taking a holiday. So he and his wife went down to the beach. He he sets up his target, and he's shooting, and it's just not working. But then he makes a discovery that if he makes a slight adjustment between his finger and forethumb, the arrow goes true to target. And he's quite thrilled he thinks oh I've made a discovery so he keeps practicing this slight adjustment the arrow goes true to target and then after a week or so they decide to pack up and go back to Tokyo or Kyoto where they were living and the next day he goes into the uh, uh, the Buddhist monk the Zen monastery and he is going to go for his uh, Uh, session and he bows to his teacher and he steps up to the line and he takes the arrow out of the quiver and puts it in the bow and makes a slight adjustment and the arrow goes true to target and the monk's quite amazed and moves the monk moves up in himself and says sir please do that again and Haragel feels like he's really found the right thing so he takes a second arrow out makes the same adjustment between finger and forethumb arrow goes true to target The monk goes and throws his arms up in the air and says, I'm not going to teach you. So after Haragil started groveling for a few days, finally the monk tapes him back as a student. And then Haragil has the insight that it wasn't about hitting the target, making some small adjustment with his hand and forefinger. It had to do about being in the process of non-doing, that it was being in the present moment And letting that action of the present moment work, where he's not trying to do anything, but he's letting the action of the arrow being shot, that action happens through him. Mm -hmm. So, without, and I'm very careful in this statement, without making a negative uh, assumption, for me, Feldenkrais is still down on the beach, figuring out very subtle, delicate moves that actually work. Mm -hmm. You know, in the metaphor, the arrow goes true to target. Mm -hmm. The Alexander Technique, though, is back at the Zen monastery, where the person is watching the whole program, psychophysically, of of his or her patterns of thinking and feeling and and action and learning how to uh, let go of those patterns. Mm -hmm. To me, that's the difference. Mm -hmm. Now, for some people, uh, they'd be happy to stay on the beach. Correct, and that's fine. Yeah, right. one has to be very careful in this metaphor not to get into a judgmental thing. Right. It's a lot of times it's where people are interested in their own personal search and their own personal work. Mm-hmm. To me, I think you need both. Mm-hmm. I think you need both. Right. Uh, my personal love is the idea of non-doing, mm-hmm. but that's because of my own background. Right. Right. Other people are superb uh, in the world of subtle doing and they do a lot of um, constructive work and, and healing people and helping people.
0: Well, let's leave it there with okay. a, a little <laughs> Zen patina to our, our conversation. Okay. Um, so my, my guest today has been Michael Frederick who's uh, an Alexander Technique teacher in Los Angeles. He's also a uh, certified Feldenkrais practitioner. And uh, I should add here, uh, Michael was voted the Best Alexander Teacher in Los Angeles Magazine, Best of L.A. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Michael, it's an honor to have you on the show. Well, I I really appreciate
1: this, and and thank you very much for your time and and, uh, great conversation.